Well, good morning, Grace Church. Merry Christmas to you all. It's great to have you here. Someone at our breakfast this morning uh, just asked the question, why is Easter always on a Sunday and Christmas isn't? So we had to explain how that works. But it's a great question. I wish somebody would change that rule because I love to be able once every seven years to spend part of Christmas with my church family. It's such a, such a blessing, and it seems fitting, right, to celebrate uh, together as a family, the body of Christ. Uh, so yeah, in full sincerity, welcome, and it's, it's a joy and a privilege to see you all. So why don't we stand together? Uh, this is just going to be a normal worship service, a little bit, way more laid back and relaxed. We're all together. The kids are here. It might get crazy. That's okay. There's a kids area in the back. If you're having trouble concentrating because your kids are whatever, and if they want to go, the, the box are back there. Um, but we just want to enjoy a time of celebrating together. And no, you adults, you're not allowed in the play area. It's only for the kids. I thought I heard... Anyway, let's gather ourselves for worship. Actually, let me open us in a word of prayer, and then we'll, we'll gather together with the doxology this morning. So our Heavenly Father, our desire this morning is just to receive anew all that you have given to us, and to receive it with joy, to receive it with gladness, and to let uh, this great gift of grace, this great news of your gospel uh, do its work in our lives. And we all know that we, we come to worship with so many different things, so much busyness, so much stuff that's been building over the past couple weeks. And I just pray that your spirit would rest upon us and that spirit would enable us to be able to rest this morning and to just see you and all your glory and all that you have done and to delight in that and to respond to that with thankfulness, with joy, with celebration, and with genuine worship. So would your spirit come and help us to do that, we pray. We give this time to you in Christ's holy name. Amen. Let's call one another to worship with the doxology. Praise God from whom People who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You may have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it, with justice and with righteousness, from this time forth and furthermore, 
The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This was the first registration where Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, 
the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. It's a great Christmas carol. Uh, maybe somewhat less familiar. Well, maybe if it is, we'll learn it together. Once in Royal David City. with us uh, every week we usually have a time where we confess our weaknesses our sinfulness come to the throne of mercy to receive help in our time of need uh, you know and thought briefly crossed through my mind oh man Christmas is such a nice celebration we're gonna really pause and have this somber prayer of confession right but yes absolutely we're gonna do that because that's part of what helps us receive this we're gonna talk about this a little bit later on but right if we think that in some way we're worthy of this great gift that Christmas is, right? You, it won't nearly have the joy uh, or the purpose 
or the power that it could have. It's only when we recognize how desperate we were that we can understand how great is the love of Christ that would come and meet us in our sinfulness and our fallenness to provide for us a redeemer. So let's pause and let's go ahead and let's pray this prayer of confession boldly uh, this morning. Almighty God, who for our redemption sent your Son to be born and to offer his life as a ransom, birth in us that same spirit of humility and love. For we resist our calling as servants. We hold back our lives in fear and selfishness. We neglect our neighbors and turn from those in need. So through the work of this Lord Jesus, who comes among us full of grace and truth, forgive us, heal us, correct us. Remake our lives that we may give witness to the light of Christ and glorify his name in the places you send us. In his name we ask. Amen. We're going to be reading uh, certain portions from Isaiah this morning as we go through the service. And let me declare good news for you from Isaiah 12. Surely God is our salvation. So we will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord himself is our strength and our defense. He has become our salvation with joy. Let us draw water from the wells of salvation. Let's uh, sing of that with God rest you merry gentlemen.
And let's do what the song said. Let's turn to one another, share some of the grace and peace that we've received in Christ to one another before we continue with our worship. To the Lord in prayer together. Good morning. I'm going to start out by praying for you what Paul prayed for the Philippians. Pray with me. I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Father, on this day, we thank you for all the wonderful things that you provide for us each and every day. On this Christmas day, we remember the day that your son, Jesus the Christ, took on flesh and came to dwell among us. Living a perfect, sinless life, he was able and willing to offer his life as a perfect sacrifice, shedding his blood and dying to pay for our sins on the cross. Then on Easter Sunday, he rose to life, defeating Satan and death. His sacrifice allows us to be reconciled to you and to be able to receive the Holy Spirit who dwells in us and empowers us to do all that you have for us to do. Father, we pray that you would pour out your grace on us so that we can do your work, to be lights in the darkness, to be your witnesses, to tell others of your goodness and share the good news pointing men to Jesus, our Lord and Savior, in whom we have forgiveness of sins that comes through Christ and Christ alone. Although we have this victory through Christ, we still live in a broken and sinful world. There is still much darkness and suffering all around us. We live in a world dominated by Satan and his spiritual forces of evil. Help us to fight the good fight of faith, to resist being tempted by and falling in love with this world and the things of this world. Bring strength and comfort to those who are suffering physically and emotionally during this holiday season due to the loss of loved ones, ongoing battles with sickness, financial issues, and broken relationships. We bring before you the Jordan, Goral, Bickle, Piasecki families who have lost Melissa, Lorraine, Diane, we bring before you those with health issues, Wendy Heron, Eileen Klontz, Jack Bromley, Maria Nicole Banta, <clears throat> Kathy Mills, Fran Reichel, and Elliot. We bring before you those who are in need of jobs, Mark and Jeff, and any others who are in need of work, and those with any financial needs. We bring before you all who are having family and relationship issues. Father, we pray for these and each other for comfort, for provision, for reconciliation, for victory over sin, and for spiritual growth and maturity. We pray for the persecuted church and the believers around the world. May you protect them, encourage them, strengthen them, and use them to build your kingdom here on earth. Father, we pray for our kids and our youth. We pray that they would come to know you better, to love you, 
to trust you in all things. Use your gifts and help them to see that you work in them and through them just as much as, if not more so, than, than the adults. Help us to remember that we're in a battle, but help us to remember that Satan has been bound and that Christ has defeated him as well as defeated death in the grave. Help us to remember that Christ has, given, has been given all power and authority, and he has shared that with us. Father, help us not to fear Satan in the darkness, but to fight it, to resist it, to stand firm by the power and authority we have from you. Help us to know you, to hunger and thirst for you, to desire you more than anything else in this world, regardless of our physical age or our years in Christ. Make your will for our church and for us individually known and clear to us. Fill us with your spirit, Lord. Strengthen us. Draw us closer to you and to each other. Empower us to do your work and to live lives worthy of our calling and to take your gospel to those around us. It is for your glory and your kingdom that we ask all these things. In the name of your son, Jesus Christ, amen. I'll remind you that uh, part of our, our worship uh, is uh, giving to Christ and to his church and to his kingdom and his mission throughout the world. And uh, so if, if you're so led to give uh, to that ministry through Grace Church here, there are myriad of ways to do that, including a plate that's in the back there online and such. But uh, at this point, I think we're going to invite all the kids to come forward, and uh, we have a nice little Christmas story for them. Find a seat up front so you guys can actually see see the pictures. Sorry, adults, if you don't see the, all the pictures in our storybook today. Oh, you guys are all on one side. All right, that works. You know, if there's any grown-ups that like to sit on the floor and want to see the pictures, you're more than welcome as well. It is Christmas morning. You're allowed to be a kid today. So, come on, Lolly. Lolly, you want to sit up here? You sit next to Gabe. No? All right. Oh, good. Lucas, you can come sit with Lonnie. Perfect. All right. So we are going to hear the second part of the Christmas story. If you were here last night, you heard the first part, but we have the rest of it. All right, here we go. Light, the light of the whole world. That same night, in amongst the other stars, suddenly a bright new star appeared. Of all the stars in the dark vaulted heavens, this one shone clearer. It blazed in the night and made the other stars look pale beside it. God put it there when his baby son was born to be like a spotlight shining on him, lighting up the darkness, showing people the way to him. You see, God was like a new daddy. He couldn't keep the good news to himself. He'd been waiting all these long years for this moment, and now he wanted to tell Everyone. So he pulled out all the stops. He'd sent an angel to tell Mary the good news. He'd put a special star in the sky to show where his boy was. And now he was going to send a big choir of angels to sing his happy song to the world. He's here. He's come. Go and see him, my little boy. Now, where would you send your splendid choir? To a big concert hall, maybe? Or a palace, perhaps? God sent his to a little hillside 
outside of a little town in the middle of the night. He sent all those angels to sing for a raggedy old bunch of shepherds watching their sheep outside Bethlehem. Sorry, Graham, it says raggedy old shepherds. Shepherds are great, and people watch sheep, Leah. We appreciate you guys. All right. Um, But poor shepherds. In those days, remember, people used to laugh at shepherds and say they were smelly and call them other rude names, which I can't possibly mention here. You see, people thought shepherds were nobodies, just scruffy old riffraff. But God must have thought shepherds were very important. Indeed, because they're the ones he chose to tell this good news to first. That night, some shepherds were out in the open fields, warming themselves by a campfire, when suddenly the sheep darted. They were frightened by something. The olive trees rustled. What was that? A wing beat. That would be very scary. They turned around And standing in front of them was a huge warrior of light, blazing in the darkness. Don't be afraid of me, the bright shining man said. I haven't come to hurt you. I've come to bring you happy news for everyone, everywhere. Today, in David's town in Bethlehem, God's son has been born. You can go and see him. He is sleeping in a manger. Behind the angel, they saw a strange glowing cloud. Except it wasn't a cloud. It was angels, troops and troops of angels armed with light. And they were singing a beautiful song. Glory to God. To God be fame and honor and all our hoorays. Then, as quickly as they appeared, the angels left. The shepherds stamped out their fire, left their sheep, raced down the grassy hill, through the gates of Bethlehem, down the narrow cobble streets, through a courtyard, down some steps, 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 past an inn, round a corner, through a hedge, until at last they reached. A tumble down stable. They caught their breath, then quietly. They tiptoed inside. They knelt on the dirt floor. They had heard about this promised child, and now he was here. Heaven's son, the maker of the stars, a baby sleeping in his mother's arms. This baby would be like that bright star shining in the sky that night, a light to light up the whole world, chasing away darkness, helping people to see. And the darker the night got, the brighter the star would shine. All right, you guys are great. You guys can go back to your seats. And why don't we all stand together? Let's go ahead and sing Hark the Herald Angels Sing.
naming names. There's some people around the breakfast table this morning saying, man, that sermon today better be a lively one. <laughs> and then some said, it'd be nice if it was like the same length as last night. So if I preach for an hour and a half this morning, it's just to teach my family a lesson. <laughs> but on the other hand, I don't want all the kids angry with me. <laughs> my mind's a little scattered at this point in the week anyway. So we're going to try to keep this a little bit more brief, just to share a few thoughts, reflections on the Christmas story that we've read a couple times uh, this week, and we've read uh, here again this morning. And I was thinking about this week, um, you know, I don't know if you've noticed this, but as I've gotten older, like when you're younger, like Christmas is just the magic of giving and receiving gifts. It's much more than that, obviously, but it involves this, just the simple joy of giving and receiving. But I've noticed as I've gotten older, like there's a, there's a certain humbling effect to Christmas. Like we've been the recipients of some very generous gifts over the years. We've been the recipients of some very generous gifts this year. And, man, that fills, fills with joy, such a great blessing. But then there's also, there's something humbling about it, right? It, like, who am I to receive this generosity from these people. We don't deserve this. What have we done to deserve this sort of thing? You know, right? I'm sure most of you have experienced that as your recipients of grace and gifts and generosity. And probably if we push that just a little bit further, we might admit, admit as well, too, that that humility that creeps up on you in that moment, it's not that it's uncomfortable, but it's, it's not exactly you know, the most comfy thing, right? I don't know if we're fully comfortable in moments of, 
unexpected humility. I don't know if that's because, you know, we're just so used to as a culture, like just working for everything that we have and earning everything and meriting everything that we have such that we're not accustomed to this feeling of, I don't deserve this, and that just feels strange and weird and maybe slightly uncomfortable. Or maybe it's even that we just don't like the idea because, you know, this subtle pride is built into us in life where we just don't like any notion of feeling like I am unworthy of something. Like everything in life, we want to feel worthy of that, competent for that. I don't know what it is, but there's a slight discomfort to that feeling of humility. And as I was thinking about that, like I feel like that is... I don't know, symbolic of a, I don't know what I would say, an epidemic, I don't know if epidemic is the word, in just the broader culture where just humility just feels weird and strange, odd, rare, and somewhat uncomfortable. And I guess it's just the simple point I want to share with you this morning is that, you know, the wonderful gift of Christmas, if you let it, can have that same effect of like when you receive a very generous, gracious gift and it, it, it evokes this sort of humility. Like if you receive the gift of Christmas the way it was intended, right? It can, it can produce that same humility, which is a really good thing. Even though in the broader cultural world, may, humility maybe is kind of shunned or looked down upon, even though we say, oh, yeah, that's nice. But, but biblically speaking, it's a very good thing. Right, you could easily make the case that working, from the script, working in the scriptures from cover to cover, humility is one of the cardinal virtues, or one of the premier virtues of a follower of Christ, or somebody who is inhibited, inhabited by the Holy Spirit. Right, we've seen this throughout the book of Revelation, we've been working our way, we're bringing it to a close. Finally, our year-long study in the book of Revelation, some of you are, <laughs> yay, others, oh, but... But you've seen this all throughout the book, right? The whole book, in one hand, is a contrast between the beast and the lamb, right? And the followers of the beast and the followers of the lamb. Those who are marked and sealed by the beast and those who are marked and sealed by the lamb, right? The beast, with all of his grandiose power, with all of his blasphemous titles, prideful boasting, and then this lamb, A meek lamb who has all the power of the lion of the tribe of Judah and yet conducts himself as a lamb and is forever and always to the very closing chapter of the book, the lamb. And what it means to be a follower of Christ is that you follow the lamb wherever he goes. And we've been adding however he goes as well too, right? We don't conduct our lives, or we don't go in pursuit of the kingdom of Christ in beast-like fashion, trying to seize power and trying to domineer from the top, but rather we come in Christ-like, lamb-like, sacrificial humility and love. Where you see it all throughout Paul's letters to his churches. Right? You think of the book of Romans, right? When Paul's writing to the church in Rome. Spends the first 11 chapters, you know, unfolding this epic theological treatise. And then he comes to chapter 12 with the therefore. So here's what it's all for. Here's what it's all about. Therefore, my brothers, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I urge you, with the grace given to me, not to think more highly of yourselves than you ought 
but to consider yourselves with sober judgment. You know, I think when he writes to the church in Philippi, he says, if there's any, any joy in Christ, any encouragement from his love, or any participation in the Spirit, make my joy complete by being of the same mind and the same love. Let each one of you have in yourself the mind of Christ. Well, actually, before that, it's before that where he says, you know, amongst other things, hey, do nothing out of selfish ambition or selfish conceit, but think of others as more important than yourselves. Right? Have each one of you the mind of Christ, who though he was in the very form of God, did not consider equality with God to be grasped, but gave himself up and emptied himself, taking on the form of a servant, and being found in human form, he what? He humbled himself, being obedient even to the point of death. You know, or when he writes to the church in Ephesus, or the church in Corinth, with all of its divisions and factions, right? so many times when he presents the message of the gospel, or the message of God's sovereign grace, right? It's always to say, you know, the, with the tagline, and all this is so that none of you all have anything to boast about. All of this is from God. Right? Do you think of Peter when he writes, you know, to the, to the churches and to the people who are cast about in the great dispersion? In chapter 5, he says, let each of you clothe yourself in humility because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and in the appropriate time, he will lift you up and exalt you. Right, on and on we could go. Our, 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 own, our own Lord and Savior, Jesus, in the opening of the Beatitudes, blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. All right, or even all throughout this Christmas story, like you see it, whether it's in uh, Mary's song, Right after the angel you know, announces to her the good news of this birth that's going to come to her, she starts breaking out in song. My, uh, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. And then as part of this song, she talks about how God has you know, revealed the might of his arm. And he has scattered the, the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. And he has brought the mighty off of their thrones and exalted the humble, those of humble estate. Or even everything we talked about last week, everything we've been talking about all week, everything that we're reading right here, right? The, the, this whole Christmas episode is one of great humility, right? This immortal, invisible, almighty, eternal, holy God is choosing to descend and be laid in a feeding trough in a small, rather insignificant town of the Roman Empire to these peasant parents, you know, with these, how did it describe it, mangly shepherds, stinky, smelly shepherds, or whatever, coming and just, right? right? It's this ultimate picture of Christ coming and being humble, right? So, so here's the point, right? It's a good thing when humility stirs because from cover to cover in the Bible, it's like this cardinal ethic, and it's what we are called to, invited to. And even just beyond the scriptures, like I don't think it would be so hard for us to say that, yeah, you know, even in a broader culture, a little humility would do us so good, right? So much of the polarized divisions, you know, that we see in our society probably is because there's just a general lack of humility. I've come to the arrival of all things right and good and true, and because you haven't, you are whatever. You know, you look at the way our culture is so judgmental these days. You know, writing everybody off, pigeonholing everybody, canceling everybody, however you want to do it. And I'd say part of that's probably a lack of humility, 
You look at the divisions that take place in relationships, right? Part of that could simply be out of a lack of humility. I am entitled to be treated in a certain way. You've offended me. You've taken something from me. You've stolen something from me. How dare you? And I'm going to withhold something from you until I receive what I'm entitled to, right? There's a lack of humility under that. You could even point to, I don't know, the mental, emotional, spiritual struggles that we endure. And you could say that among a whole variety of other things, there may be in that a subtle lack of humility. I know myself. When I am preoccupied with myself and what I deserve and my needs and all this, uh, there, right alongside that, can be a growing anxiety, a growing anger, a growing bitterness. Right? So even beyond just the cultural level, I think if we're honest as well, too, right, there's something warm and attractive when we are in the presence of humble people. Man, we feel encouraged, we feel blessed, and we come away thinking, man, I want more of that. I want to be more like that. So something the scripture calls us to, it's something we can easily recognize would be nice in a broader culture and even just on an individual level. We know deep down we long for a little bit more humility. But here's the problem of it all, right? Humility by nature is not one of those things that you can just decide, okay, I'm going to be humble now. Or today I am going to practice the discipline of humility. And you wake up and you say, okay, I'm going to be humble today. And this is what I'm going to work on today. It doesn't work that way. I think it was C.S. Lewis who, it was C.S. Lewis who said, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Right? Or thinking of yourself less often. Right? So by nature, <laughs> to start your day saying, okay, self, today we're going to think of ourselves less today. And we're going to be humble. Right? You're, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't quite work. The whole point of humility is that you recognize that there is this greater glory outside of yourself. So much so that you are drawn to that, you are captivated by that. So much so that you, you wind up not thinking about yourself. Whereas Tim Keller would, could, would put it, it's the freedom of self-forgetfulness. You're in the presence of something greater, something more glorious, such that you forget about yourself, right? So it's, it doesn't work to just say, okay, self, today we're gonna be humble. Or even, the moment you start to think of humility as something I'm going to work on, right? then if by chance, by some act of God, you do attain to a certain level of humility, well, then you can look back and say, well, look what I have accomplished. I've worked on humility, and I've accomplished it. And now, all of a sudden, humility is starting to wane. All right. So anyway, so what's the point? What are we able to do? Why are you telling me humility is a good thing, and it's not something that you can work on? The point is this. Humility is something that it sneaks up on you. And it's a little spark that gets ignited in your heart, not necessarily of your own doing. Right? It's like what I said in the beginning. You're handed a gift, and unbeknownst to you, or not because you were deciding to work on it that day, like humility sneaks up on you. Who, who am I to receive this? I'm undeserving. But what have I done to be a recipient of such generosity? Right? And so I think the simple argument I want to make this morning is that if it is your longing to see humility grow, well, first of all, it's, it's to do what we're doing here. It's just to stop and to reflect and to ponder and to stand amazed at the wonder 
and the generosity and the graciousness of the Christmas story. Right? It's to stop and to consider this Christ who did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but left the glories of heaven to be born in a tumble-down stable with the meek and the lowly so that he could identify with humanity, identify with you and me, and raise us up to be participants in his divine glory. As you stop and ponder that, a little spark of humility just flickers in the heart. Right, you think about this Jesus who would grow, right? And as the song once in Royal Davis said, it would come to taste our, our sadness and feel our gladness and come to experience the pains of betrayal or the pains of abandonment or the pains of injustice or the pains of violence, ultimately the pains of death, and do it so that, the, as the writer of Hebrews says, so that he could be a brother to you so that he could be a good and loyal, faithful friend to you, so that he could be a merciful high priest on your behalf. And as you stop and you ponder that, and that that has been given to you in Christ, a little flicker of humility perhaps grows. Right? If you think of this Jesus who then would grow and be someone full of compassion for the poor, or someone who in mercy would seek out the sick, or someone who would have eyes that would look for the outcasts and the overlook, who would go strike up with conversations with sinners and adulterers and the liars and thieves. And when you ponder that he longs to know you and to indwell you and to welcome you into his family and to his eternal kingdom, a little flicker of humility perhaps grows. Right? Or you think of ultimately this Christ fully grown, bearing all of our shame, bearing the full extent of our guilt, our sinfulness, our rejection, our rebellion towards him, suffering that, suffering the abandonment of the Father, suffering that all into the grave, so that he might, as I like to say, kick the power of death in the teeth and grab you along with it, and lead you into resurrection life to the full. When you think of this Jesus offering this to you, man, how does a flicker of humility not just spark just a little bit in your own heart? It's a simple point. Well, it's actually, there's three quick things I want to say. The The first one is just sit and soak this in. Soak in the Christmas message. See this gift, and maybe a little flicker of humility grows. The second thing, a very simple one, I would just say this, remember to receive it, not seize it. Right? Remember, it's a gift purely of the generosity of Christ. Remember what we all know to be true, that you don't deserve it. You didn't earn it. You didn't slap anything on the table, anything of your good nature or anything that you've accomplished through life, such that would say, okay, I deserve heaven coming down now to deliver and to rescue. No, you, nothing. It's pure gift. It's pure generosity. It's pure graciousness. It is, there, there is no seizing of it based on your merit. It's no reward. It's no payment for services rendered. It's all gift. Right? Make sure your theology is properly aligned there. In fact, you could go so far to say it's precisely because I was so far away from in any way touching, let alone seizing heaven, that heaven had to come down. Because I was so wretched, 
so content in my running as far away from God as possible, so lost in my waywardness, so destined for the pits of death that Christ chose to leave the glories of heaven and be born in meager estate from my behalf. Right? Remember that. There's no seizing of this. It's a receiving of it by faith and trusting your life to him. And as you remember, it's all gift. Again, the flicker grows. And lastly, our grace group is, uh, uh, we're, we're working through some spiritual disciplines. We're talking about prayer right now. We were reading a book by Andrew Murray on prayer, or at least some chapters from it. And, and one was on the Holy Spirit. And he just had this, this simple reminder, but it's been a reminder that stayed with me. It's a good reminder. Just that Christ delights to fill you with the grace of his spirit. Right? And so we ought to pursue that. We ought to ask for it. We ought to seek for that. The fullness of the grace of his spirit regularly, daily, throughout our life. And here's why that's so important. Because to be full of the grace of the spirit is to be filled with Christ himself. Right? This Christ who willingly chose to not seize on equality with God, but to empty himself and to become a servant. This Christ who was a friend of sinners and was a compassionate lover of the sick and the poor. This Christ who is eternally the humble lamb. Right? So you make the connection to be filled with Christ. Uh, that's part of how that humility grows. Sorry, for whatever reason, I can't get the thought out of my head. I had the privilege of being Joseph for an hour or so during the, uh, the three nights of our um, Christmas drive through right? Every, every young boy's dream to get Joseph in the Christmas play. I don't think they had anybody that first night, so... Uh, Mark grabbed me and said, hey, go be Joseph real quick. All right, so you, you get to go be Joseph out there. Callie and I, Callie was Mary there, and we were sitting there, and you got the sheep and everything and the goats peeing on your shoes and whatnot. It was great. And then at one point, uh, the goat pooped on the baby Jesus that was in the, in the manger, right? And <laughs> thankfully, it was just a doll. And you're thinking, well, this is sacrilegious. And the, but then on the other hand, it's like, well, no, this is just... <laughs> This is a beautiful picture of the radical humility of Christ. And there was probably something very similar to this. That Jesus was born in this tumble-down stable, right, laid in the feeding trough with all the smells, with all the who knows what all around him. And so as I'm looking at this, I'm thinking, it just like dawns on you, the radical humility of Christ in that. And to, be bear, and to bear that, like I just imagined the Christ as a baby, you know, with the, for your sake as this incredible gift to you. And just like gifts of great generosity spark some humility, and when you stop to ponder all that Christ has done, endured, willingly chose to do for your life, as you remember, that's not mine to seize, but it's mine to receive in faith. And as you plead with the Spirit to just fill you with the grace of Christ, you might find that little spark of humility turn and fan into a flame. And you might then find the joy of seeing this greater glory outside of yourself. You might find the freedom of self-forgetfulness and seeing only Christ. You might find the joy of considering others' needs of more importance than yourself and loving your neighbor with as much love and zeal as you love yourself. Or simply put, you might find the wonderful blessing of losing your life that you may find it in this Christ. And so my prayer for you today, ongoing Christmas celebration throughout the week, throughout the whole year, is that you would find the 
some way, the joy of humility and seeing the greater glory of Christ and finding your life in him by losing it. Amen? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, well, why don't we stand together? And uh, we're going to sing. What are we going to sing? King of Kings, I invite the worship team to come back up. We're going to sing King of Kings. We have one more reading from Isaiah and Luke. And then we want all our kids back because we're going to sing the kids' favorite, at least my kids' favorite, Go Tell It on the Mountain. We got jingle bells for them, Fuzzy? Where'd he go? Oh, well. Yeah? We got the jingle bells for the kids? All right, there you go. You got a couple minutes. All right, let's sing.
to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up, do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See the sovereign Lord come with power, and he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him, and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd, he gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. 20. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, for it had been told to them.
Christmas. It's great to have you all with us today. If you're new here, uh, we'd love for you to fill out a welcome card in the back so we can stay in touch with you, or if you're online, just hit the information button online. There are some refreshments in the back, so stick around, talk to each other. They're actually on this side today. Uh, so there's still our normal refreshments. Also, our 2023 offering envelopes are in the back for you to pick up if you so desire. Um, next Sunday, we'll be right back here at 10 o'clock, so come join us. If you're new here, we welcome you back um, next Sunday at 10 o'clock. And then on January 8th, we're going to have a special service in the sanctuary for the last time before we start our renovations later in the month. Hear the word of the Lord as we go. This is what's announced as Christ's birth and is a great promise for us. Kingdom, there will be no end. You shall call him Jesus because he shall save his people from their sins. Amen.